well, we're starting a new series today that we're calling uh, Prophecies. Uh, was not the name I picked. I actually send, uh, the, you know, when we're planning a new series, I say, you know, here's what we're going to be preaching on. Uh, here's what I think it ought to be called. Uh, the last several suggestions that I have had uh, have not made it to the screen. So we're uh, uh, doing a series on prophecies, not my title, but Hunter's. And so uh, anyway, and so what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, though, it's going to be really awesome, uh, is we're going to be diving into a few books of the Old Testament that are hard for you to find. Okay, uh, books of the Old Testament that you may have never read or studied before. Maybe you just passed right over uh, in, your, in your reading. Uh, they contain difficult names like Habakkuk. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. Sounds like a great chewing tobacco to me. I don't even know. Uh, Haggai or Haggai and Malachi. Uh, but they're referred to as the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And, and they're, they're not referred to minor prophets because they're not really uh, important. Uh, they're called minor because they're actually short, uh, short books of the Bible. Instead of the long prophetic books that we have, like the book of Isaiah uh, and the book of, of Jeremiah, these minor prophets uh, were more like, you, you could think of them kind of being like a, a blog post back in the day. Right? Uh, it would have been, you know, something that they would have shared over Twitter or Facebook that could be read, you know, pretty quickly. It was pretty short. Uh, and, and so these books, we also need to understand these minor prophet books were also written uh, primarily during a time when Israel uh, was being rebellious toward God. Okay? It was written during this time when Israel had turned its back on God. And in these minor prophecies and in these books that we're going to be looking at, God basically is laying out his plan uh, of restoration uh, and redemption for Israel. And they're also pointing to a coming Savior, uh, a coming Messiah who would heal and, and redeem uh, what their sin had messed up and how they, where they had gotten off track. And, and so the good news for us today uh, is this. Uh, if you want to know how to put back together a life that has been damaged by sin, damaged by past mistakes and, and, and failures, uh, or you want to know how to pursue healing relationships, maybe a relationship that you've broken, uh, these books are for you. This series is, is going to really minister uh, to you. But don't miss this. Here's, here's, this is so important. Because if you're a Christian here today, and this is second service, so we know that you're all Christians, right? Uh, and so if you're a Christian here today, you need to know this. One day in heaven, right, you're going to encounter these people by the names of Nahum and Habakkuk and Haggai. And they're going to ask you, how'd you like my book? All right? And if you've never read them and don't know anything about them, it's going to be embarrassing for you. It's going to be very awkward. So if you're a Christian, you need to be here the next several weeks so that you're not put in a bad situation when you get to heaven. I'm just trying to help you out, all right, before you get to heaven uh, so you're not, you're not put in a situation like that. But seriously, Hosea is the first uh, of these minor prophets because he kind of sets the stage uh, for all the others. And Hosea's book... He gives us one of the most bizarre illustrations that shows us about God's love. 
and teaches us about God's love for his people, what, what that's actually like. It, it's scandalous. It's almost difficult to, to believe. And, and so let's pick it up. Have y'all found it yet, Hosea, chapter 1? Y'all all good? So let's pick it up in chapter 1. We're going to see that Hosea probably has to go down in history as, as the man who received the worst ministry assignment ever. Uh, Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, God says, go marry a prostitute. Hello. How do you think that went for his ministry career? Uh, he says, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And basically, God is saying to Hosea, all right, I, I want you to live out of life. I want you to do something in your life. I, I want to illustrate through you, you know, what Israel is doing to me. I, I want your life to be such a story that it's going to be recorded in the Holy Scripture, in my Holy Word, for all of creation and all of humanity that follows after you to see and understand the extreme love that I have for my people and the children of God and, and, and the children of Christ. And he says, so go, and I want you to love a prostitute. I, I, I don't want you to only love a prostitute. He said, I want you to marry a woman who is a prostitute. And, and I'm just thinking about this poor guy, you know, this being his ministry assignment from God. Because I'm, I'm thinking how difficult it will be for anyone to ever respect him or for him to ever get placed in any kind of church in the future, right? I mean, if you're looking for a pastor, right, and I hope you're not, but if you're looking for a pastor, you're probably not going with a guy who's married to a prostitute. I'm just saying, uh, y'all think you're better than that. And so, you know, you're not, but we have to understand here what this represents, what the prostitute in the story represents. She represents, and what God's saying here, she represents how Israel has sold themselves out. They had a price, right? We talked about in our last series when we focused in on Judas. He had a price that he was willing to accept to betray Jesus, and we talked about in that message how if we're all honest, we all have a price. There, there's all a price that we would eventually, and you're like, oh, no, 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 you know, I never would. But, but, but I shared with you, there, there was a time and a place years ago when, when I was telling Lynette, I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged, and I'm just done. And right then it was, it was when I saw that I had a price. There was a price. Right, that I was willing to just walk away, and so we have a price, and so we're, this is represented here. She represents how Israel has sold themselves out by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. She represents people in our world today who have put other things before God, right? When they have made other things of this world or other people in this world a higher priority than they have God. That the prostitute represents. Uh, these people in the story and spiritual adultery is the primary biblical illustration of what sin is in someone's life. And, and the prostitute represents the things in our lives that we let take the place of God. Let me just ask you when, you, when you begin to worry about something or you begin to get stressed out about something or greatly concerned about something, can I ask you, where do you turn? 
For some of you, you would say Facebook because I follow you. <laughs> I know. I know your business. I don't really want to know all your business. You know, I want to see pictures of your kids and grandkids, but the rest of it maybe not. But a lot of times when we get worried or we get stressed, we turn to other things. Instead of turning to God, we turn to, we turn to Facebook. We turn uh, to our friends. We turn uh, to some people turn to a bottle. Some people turn to pills. They turn to other things besides, uh, besides God. Do you turn to somewhere other than God's promises for you for comfort and help in your life? Or who are you turning to? And so, you know, where do you turn in your life for security? When you think about having a secure life, what do you think about? Who do you turn to? Are you thinking you're going to find security in your government? Help us, Lord. Right. I mean, do you think you're going to find security in your financial advisor? Because that's where a lot of people are looking for security in their lives today is with their financial advisor. They find security in how big their 401k is or how big their checking accounts are. And I tell you, if you trust in money for your future, if you're trusting in your bank account for your security, can I just tell you, you're probably not going to be a very generous person. Got deathly quiet in here. God is to be our source of help, our source of hope, God is to be our joy. He's to be your confidence and your trust. But like Israel, all right, this prostitute sought these things in someone else. They sought these things that God wants to provide for us through something else. And what we're seeing here is that when that takes place, oh, by the way, let's call it what it is, it's betrayal. It's betrayal of God, and we're going to see later that it breaks his heart. It broke his heart. And so God said to Hosea, I want to illustrate this for everyone. So go love a woman who has set a price. Go love a woman who has accepted a price and will, oh, by the way, also be unfaithful to you. And then verse 3 says, so Hosea, 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 married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame. He's Deblame. I'm sorry. It, I swear I didn't even say that in early service. It just hit me because I didn't pronounce it that way in early service. I couldn't pronounce it all in early service. I don't know. It might be Deblame. I don't know. But anyway, she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And to make matters worse, in this whole story, his wife's name is Gomer. <laughs> if you're looking for biblical names for your newborn daughter, I wouldn't recommend it, okay? I just wouldn't. Golly! But I've totally lost track of what I'm supposed to be talking about. I'm not going to be able to say that the rest of this message without laughing. But seriously, this is, this, is, this is so important because here's the deal. Hosea isn't just going through the motions and checking off boxes of what God's asking him to do. He, he, he's not doing that. You know, he, he, he's, you know, Hosea genuinely tried to love, and we see that he did love. 
this woman, and he, he started a, a family with her. But it, it didn't take long, and, and don't miss this, it didn't take long for Gomer to return. <laughs> I'm going to have to call her something else. I'm going to call her Gigi. How about that? We're going to call her Gigi. Uh, it didn't take long for her to return to her old ways. We see it over in chapter 2, over in verse 5. She says, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them. And this is already after Hosea has loved her and accepted her and married her. And, and she makes no bones about it here. In broad daylight, I'm going back to my old ways. I'm going back to what used to bring me happiness. I'm going back to what used to, uh, what I thought brought me joy. And everybody's like, you know, isn't that Hosea's wife? You know, isn't she the one that, that he, he was, you know, bringing to church and telling us she's a changed person and, you know, she's the pastor's wife and now she's going off and being a prostitute again? And Hosea begs her. He begs her to come back home. And as crazy as it sounds, number one, that Hosea would beg her to come back. Number two, it, it's crazy that she doesn't. Because life would be so much better with Hosea. And, and here in chapter 2, we even learn that it was Hosea who all along is giving this new man that she's gone to be with now. Hosea is actually giving him the money and the things that is needed to take care of her. It's actually coming from Hosea. And, and so, you know, you read on in the story, and, and we're not going to read it all this morning, just kind of hit the highlights. But even this new man now, he gets tired of her, right? And so he then tries to sell her into sex trade, into slave uh, trade. And, and it's here that God gives Hosea his second assignment here. We find over in chapter 3 and verse 1, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife, don't miss this, again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Go buy her back. Go get her back. Go again. And love this woman who not only is a prostitute, but she's also committed adultery and cheated on you and walked away from you. After she has humiliated him, after him giving her everything, offering her a life, offering her an opportunity at a better life. And we see this time and time again in the day and age that we live in today. People are offered a better situation. People are offered a better life. People are offered a better environment. But yet they go back to what they're comfortable with, the sin that they were comfortable with in the past. And she's embarrassed him. So why in the world would Hosea go back after her again? Why would he do that? But it, God's trying to make a point here. He says this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and they love to worship them. All right, and so Hosea... He goes to the auction when, when this one, when the new guy, uh, you know, sends her to be uh, sold as a, a sex slave or, or whatever, you know, uh, she would have went to an auction and scholars say that Gomer would have been stripped naked so that the ones there bidding on her could see exactly what it was that they were bidding on. And here in the middle of that crowd of men who were wanting to pay money uh, to you know, only take advantage of her body, in the middle of that group of men, here stands Hosea who just wants her back who just wants to be able to love her again, who just wants to protect her. He just wants to bring her home and love her 
Which brings us to the first image that we see here of God's love for you and God's love for us. And it's this, God's love is scandalous. It really is. Any of us in Hosea's situation, think about it. We would have felt perfectly justified to walk away from this tramp, right? I mean, we would have been justified in washing our hands of that, being done with it. Hey, we gave it a good effort. We gave it a good try. There was no helping them. They couldn't be helped. They wouldn't receive it. And so justified in walking away. As a matter of fact, over in Leviticus chapter 20, it's actually in God's word. God said that a man in this situation, could lit- he could divorce his wife because of this. And not only that, but could also he could have even had her stoned for her unfaithfulness stoned with rocks the early crowd they looked it this morning but anyway so so here's the deal god proves to us my mind is so sidetracked this morning i i apologize if you're a guest that's visiting with us today it just is what it is the pastor has adhd uh Don't miss this. This shows us that God does not write us off. Regardless of our past, regardless of our stupidity, regardless of our mistakes, He doesn't write people off. And Hosea's love drove him regardless of the loopholes of the law. Right? He, he could have very easily walked away and been justified in doing that. And everyone around him would have been patting him on the back, telling him he was doing the right thing. And I, I think Hosea chapter 11, verse 8, might be the most powerful verse of the Old Testament about God's love for us. And it's this, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me, and my compassion overflows. I I love this verse. I I love this verse because it shows us something absolutely staggering about the love of God. He loves us so much. Don't miss this. Somebody needs to hear this today. He loves you so much that he can't let you go. (laughs) He can't let you go. You know, God, God doesn't really need any one of us. Right? I mean, he was perfectly happy before he created you, and he would be totally justified to walk away from you because he knows you. He would be totally justified to walk away from me because he knows my sin, he knows my failures, he knows my past. He, he would be totally justified to say, I gave him a chance and, and to walk away, but he didn't. And don't miss this, not only did he, did, did he not, but he won't. All right? He won't because he loves you that much. And and this verse also shows us that his love for us, it hurt him. His heart was torn. And this right here, it just gives us a a preview of what's to come when Jesus gets to this earth, right? And, And what Jesus does, this is what Jesus did on the cross like Hosea. He took the consequences of our sin. We were, I hate to call you prostitutes this morning, but... Prostitutes. We were, the, we were the prostitutes in the story. Do you see that? We were the ones who had sinned. We were the ones who had abandoned God. We were the ones who had ran away. And, and Jesus comes and he takes the consequences of our sin. And what did he do? He bought us back. 
He went to the auction and he bought us back. And what a price he paid. We've seen the last few weeks, the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns, all that he went through. All that he went through. This is the price that he paid when you were on the auction block. Right? He is worthy of our gratitude. He is worthy of your devotion to him. He is worthy of you going home with him. He loves you that much that he did that. And and so don't give him some half-hearted commitment or or patronize him with your lethargic worship with your hands in your pockets singing about how awesome the love of God is and he can't imagine heaven without you, right? And, And we sing it like, you know, we're just singing another Johnny Cash song, which, oh, by the way, we did last week, and it was awesome. But I'm going to tell you, he is worthy of our praise. He bought you back. And that brings us to the second thing about God's love, and it's this. God's love will chase you down. Some of you know exactly what that's all about and what that's like. Over the past several weeks, we had the opportunity last weekend to baptize 15 Twelve more gave their life to Christ last weekend. We've seen over the last month. I'll get you the numbers later because numbers matter. But we've seen God just doing an incredible work in a lot of lives. And, And I get the opportunity to hear the stories of how it happened, of how God brought them to this point of believing and accepting him. And it's incredible to hear how God just laid it all out the way that it had to be in order for them to hear and know about the love of God. He chases you down. He continues to pursue you. Verse 1 of chapter 3 here basically gives us the recurring theme of Hosea. Basically it says, go again and love this woman who is an adulteress. And the theme of this whole book of Hosea is this, go again, and again, and again. Don't you give up on her. Don't you give up on her because I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you either. And and here in Hosea, God is saying to uh, the children of Israel, I redeemed you the first time and you forgot about me. I redeemed you the first time. Right, And you've turned from me, and you've gone your own way, and you're doing what you want to do, and, and you're being you know, these little rebellious children. I redeemed you, and you forgot about me. But I'm coming back. <laughs> but I'm coming back, and this time I'm going to buy you back again. But this time it will be with the blood of my son. And this is exactly how God feels about you. This is exactly how God feels about you. you. You're sitting here thinking, I don't deserve it, you know. No, he don't feel that way about me because I know me. I know my past. I know what I've done. I, I, I know where I'm at. This is exactly how God feels about you. And, and when you fall back into sin, God says to his son Jesus, go again. Go again. When you forget about him or you get on the right path or you, maybe you make a, a, a mistake and do the wrong thing, God says to his son Jesus, go again. 
Go again. When you're feeling the pain and the heartache that comes from stupid, sinful choices that you have made, he says, go again and again and again and again. Right? But don't miss this. If you keep ignoring him, if you keep running from him, if you keep rejecting him, he can't force you to love him. He can't force you to go home with him. He he can't force you to follow him. And I promise you that the last voice that you will hear as you step off into eternity will be God saying, you don't have to do this. Come back to me. It'll be the last voice that you'll hear. You know, and and, and I want you to listen this morning. You know, your, your sin, your bad habits, your struggles, your mistakes, your past, not one of these things are going to send you to hell. And everybody's like, whoa. It's not those things that send you to hell. The thing that sends people to hell is the fact that they are unwilling to embrace Jesus and believe in Him and follow Him. They're separated from Him. And they do it on purpose. They choose not to. And don't miss this in the story. Hosea's love was offered to this woman. Don't miss this. His love was offered to her while she was a prostitute. While she was a prostitute. And again, after she had committed adultery against him. And and, and I I don't want you to miss this because this is so important. So, So many people miss this and don't get this. She didn't have to clean herself up first in order to earn his love. You get that? She was a prostitute. Never said she stopped being a prostitute before he started loving her. She didn't have to clean herself up in order to earn or deserve the love of Hosea. And most people think that they have to clean themselves up and make a bunch of changes and then God will want them, right? And then they can go to church. I've shared this story before. I had a a buddy that I was raised with and, man, we used to do some things you can't talk about in church. But God radically changed my path. And so, after I got in the ministry, I began, I'd I'd still be in contact with this guy, and we'd be in touch from time to time, and I'd invite him to church, because I'm a preacher, you're supposed to invite everybody to church, so I'd invite him to church, and he's like, man, I'm not, I'm just not doing that, he said, I'm not going to be that guy, I said, what do you mean you're not going to be that guy, he said, I'm not going to be that hypocrite that comes, sits in a building, and act like I'm something I'm not, he said, you know, I love beer, (laughs) And I'm not going to quit drinking beer. I like to drink beer. And he said, so I'm not going to come to church and pretend I'm something I'm not. He said, I'm not going to quit drinking beer. I said, dude, you don't have to quit drinking beer to come to our church. He's like, what kind of church do you go to? (laughs) But I think that's what so many people think, is they got to clean themselves up and fix themselves before God will accept them and love them. Another great example, and I talk about it all the time, But that's not how it works. See, God saves us, and then he changes us and cleans us up. We had a guy walk in here one time, y'all, and I kid you not. This dude was straight out of California. 
Some of you are too. I'm sorry about that. God brought you to the promised land. So aren't you grateful? This dude walks in this church. Long hair, ponytail, earrings. Look at, look at the thug. Nobody told him, you can't come to this church looking like that. You need to cut your hair. You need to get rid of them earrings. You need to straighten up. You need to clean up. No, he just came. People just loved on him. God took care of all the rest. Now he's standing back here in the back, bald-headed and no earrings. He sent me that picture this morning. It actually was not even in my notes. I just thought of him this morning in that early service and told the story about when Richard showed up with ponytail and earrings and how God has just done an incredible work in his life and his family. And Because um, that's the way it works. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to clean yourself up to earn his love. You don't have to clean yourself up to earn his acceptance and, and his salvation. But in Christianity, unconditional love, acceptance, and, and forgiveness, that comes first, and then the change happens, right? That, that's when he just starts. See, when he saves you, the Bible talks about us being a new creation, talks about us being an infant, a babe in Christ. There's a reason we're giving that analogy, because we've still got a lot of growing and maturing to do. See, he makes us new, and he makes us like a baby, and then we grow. Right? And, and so that's, that's how it works. God, God's love frees us of the bondage of our sin. His love is not the reward for us breaking free of it. Right? It's not the reward. His love is not the reward for us having, you know, done something to ourselves to be better. And, and so, you know, this is the gospel. He pursues us. He chases us down because he loves us and he just wants us to love him back and to be faithful with him. All right, and that brings us to the third thing this morning. Don't miss this. God's love it turned you into Hosea. God's love will turn us into Hosea's. God not only wanted Hosea to learn about his love for his people, this is huge. But he wanted him to become a giver of that kind of love. He, he wanted Hosea to learn what it was like to love people the way that God loves people. And, and, and so he says to Hosea, go again and again and again, Hosea, because that's what I do with you every single day. He wants those of us who have experienced that kind of love. Knowing He's chased us down. And He's chased some of us to some pretty bad places. <laughs> but He wants those of us who have experienced His outstretched arms to become those outstretched arms. See, He wants us to be more like Him. You know, so... To the parent that's here this morning with the child that's driving you absolutely up a wall. <laughs> Maybe you've been forsaken by your child. You know, maybe to the husband 
who feels neglected, to the employee here this morning who feels underappreciated, to the boss who feels misunderstood, to the friend who feels like they've been betrayed, to the wife who knows they've been taken for granted. Go again and again and again, Hosea. Go again. And I'm not saying that your outstretched arms will always change the gomers in your life. You know, I'm not saying that, but because sometimes the gomers, like the one here in the story, they don't change. But I promise you, doing this will change you. It will change you, and it will make you more like Jesus. And can I just tell you that that is God's plan for you, your life? We think we all got it figured out. We know what God's plan is for our life. But God's plan for your life is that He can make you more like Him. He can make you more like Jesus. That's His plan and His purpose is that He wants to shape you and mold you and make you into His image. And He says, go again and again and again. I'm sure none of your situations here this morning are quite as dramatic as Hosea's. But here's the deal. We all have gomers in our life. We all have people in our life who mistreat us. We have people in our life who take us for granted. We have people in our life who have cheated us. We have people in our life who have treated us unkindly. Don't miss this today. The gomers in your life are there to make you more like Jesus. The pursuing love of God, it's hard to understand. And when we see this love at work through Hosea, we have to wonder, you know, is God really like that? Does he never give up? Does he never quit pursuing? Does he never quit loving and trying to convince us to come home? where we can be safe and protected and loved and have all the things that we really want out of life anyway. And I want you to think about it. Many years later, after Hosea, many years later, after this story, men would take the very trees that God created and they would shape them into a cross. And then he would stretch his arms out on a tree and we would nail him to that cross there and in doing that he took our sins he took our past he took our failures he took all of that upon himself folks this is our God this is your father there's no other like him there's no other like him. And when you see that, when you understand the magnitude of what has been done for you, we'll want to be like our dad. We'll want to be like our father, and we'll become Hosea to the Gomers that are in our life. But this morning, whether you can better identify with Hosea, or maybe you've identified with Gomer this morning, or maybe you can identify with both. Today you have been reminded of God's incredible love for you. We've been reminded. 
of just how much He loves each and every one of us. And when we receive that love and fully understand what it means, then we'll want to be like Him. We'll want to be like Hosea. That's God's plan, that He would make you more like Him. We've been talking about this the last several weeks, but here's the deal. This morning, we have been presented with the gospel. We have been presented with God's love. And this morning, whether you identify with Hosea or you identify with Gomer, it requires a response. You can't just sit here and walk out today and go, man, that was inspirational or that pastor don't have a clue or whatever it is you say when you go home. You know, but I think so many times we come to church and then we just go home. But I'm going to tell you, when the gospel is presented, it demands a response. Whether you're Hosea or whether you're Gomer, it demands a response. Maybe someone in your life needs to be extended forgiveness. And you said, but I've tried again and again and again. And today God's saying, go again. Go again. Don't give up on them. I've never given up on you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you identify with Gomer and you're like, man, I I know her because I am her. And I keep doing things that make no sense and going places that make no sense. And there's no way. And this morning he's wanting you to know there is a way. He's pursuing you. He brought you here today so that you would hear this story and identify with Gomer. And so it demands a response. And some of you here this morning, your response simply needs to be to go extend forgiveness and grace to someone. And for some of you, it's just to respond to his love and say, I believe this. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he's the son of God. And he went to a tomb and three days later, he was raised out of that tomb. And I believe it. And I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. So some of you just need to respond in that way today. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. This message is so simple that a little child can understand it. I've talked to many children who understand what God has done for them and the love that he has for them. And they've received him and given their life to Christ. So maybe there's someone here this morning that wants to make that decision. And if you're here and you want to be saved... You have to believe this amazing story of love. And I just want you to know this morning, your past does not have to define your future. Your father wants your future to be with him. But it's your choice. And if you want to be saved today and accept him and accept his love, I just want to encourage you right now just to pray this prayer to him. I can't pray it for you, but if you would just pray it to him and mean it just say God I know that I'm a sinner I know that I've been running from you but my past will not define my future I want to be saved I want my future to be with you forgive me of my sins You gave your life for me. And so now I'm giving you mine. Make me more like you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you prayed that prayer 
right now, I'm going to just tell you, you've got to tell somebody. <laughs> Great story this week. This young man that's about to be baptized told me when he accepted Christ, he, couldn't, he, he could find no peace whatsoever until he told somebody. Some of you are here that way this morning. You need to tell somebody. And I also want to encourage you this morning to be baptized. That's the next step of faith in your walk with Christ is to repent and be baptized as a public profession of your faith. So this morning, we've come to celebrate one who's coming to do that. And I'm so excited. I'm going to walk around here in the back. If you'll just give me a minute to join Michael. Y'all know how we celebrate baptisms around here? Not quietly. So if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, your next step of obedience is to be baptized. And we've had the opportunity to baptize a lot of people the last few weeks. And, uh, man, I'm blessed. This guy that's coming, Michael, would you come join me? This is Michael Burgess. Had the opportunity to baptize his wife last week on Easter. Michael comes today as a public profession of his faith. He's got a lot of friends, family that's here celebrating uh, this day, this decision with him. It's absolutely incredible to see what God has done in his and Laurie's wife, uh, his wife's life over the last several weeks and how God has pursued them and brought them to this point. And it's just been great to get to know them. I look forward to it. I told him, I said, I'm so blessed to be able to be your pastor uh, in the days ahead because I know God's going to do some really cool things in their family uh, and in their lives. And so... Uh, this morning, Michael, we, we, we gather as your church family to celebrate this decision that you've made. And I just want to ask you one more time, have you, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And you, it's my privilege to baptize you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. what it's all about. If you'd like to be baptized, let me know. We have more scheduled coming up, and we'd love to be able to celebrate that with you. Let's, let me pray with you before we go this morning. God, we thank you today for your display of love, this reminder today of just how much you love each and every one of us. You never stop pursuing. You never stop chasing. You never stop loving. Uh, and God, somebody here this morning need to be reminded of that. I believe that somebody here this morning accepted you for the very first time to be Lord and Savior of their life. I, I pray that they would tell somebody, that they would share that, and they would take this next step of faith in, in being baptized and let us celebrate that with them. God, we, we're, we're so grateful to be a part of what you're doing here uh, in this church and in this community. And God, I pray that you'll continue to find us faithful. I pray that as we go out from here, that we will look a whole lot like Hosea. Because if we do, we'll look a whole lot like you. And uh, help us to be quick to extend forgiveness and mercy and grace to those around us, God, who just need to see you. 
And uh, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have a wonderful day.